And this is, you know, this, this crowd's looking like they got leprosy. <laughs> really crowded, spotty, spotty, crowded, spotty. It just, we don't like each other, do we? We just spread out. Amen. All right. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. All right. Grab your Bible. Grab your Bible. Turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. We stopped in Acts chapter number eight. And uh, remember last week we talked about the, the, the counterfeit Christian. The counterfeit Christian was Simon and, uh, and, and how many times the devil, as the old timers said, they can slip as a counterfeit. And uh, he, professed to be, he professed to be a believer, but he was not a true believer. And uh, he said, well, you want to know more about that? See last week, you can go to our website and see last week. But we stopped in verse number 26, okay? Verse number 26. When you get there, say Amen. It says, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is what? Desert. Desert. And let me tell you, it sure is. Nothing, nothing but rock, sand, and, and a sprig every now and then. And he arose and went, and behold, what's the two words? Amen. Amen. Say with me. Amen. Now, if you have if you have a pen and you you like to write in your Bible or underline stuff, put parentheses around those two words right there. All right. What are those two words? Amen. Of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for the worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understand thou what thou readest. And he said unto, he said, how can I except, come on, except, all right, put your parentheses around that one. So, so, so far, what was the person we had? Amen. Amen. Now we have. Some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this of himself or of some other, some other man. So put your parentheses around some other man. Tonight we're going to study a man, some man, or some other man. And all God's people say it. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to be in your house. I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let me continue reading. And uh, and then we'll get into our lesson, do a brief review as we always do. And then they'll bring us back into the chapter. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him what? Jesus. Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, Here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. 
And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and, be, and he baptized him. And when they were come out of, up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord called away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotosis and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, let's, let's, let's kind of do a, a, a small, small review uh, coming, into, coming into where we're at here at the end of this chapter so we can finish off this chapter. Uh, we see that the word of God is spreading now, right? Suffering and, and uh, 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 help me now, what's the word? Uh, persecution. That's the word I'm looking for. Persecution has come upon the church, uh, specifically through Saul. And, and because of the persecution, the Christians begin to scatter abroad, right? Uh, they are scattering, but when they are scattered and they are, they are going abroad, what are they taking with them? The gospel, right? And they're preaching Jesus everywhere they go. They're taking the gospel everywhere they go. Now, as they're doing this, as they're, as they're spreading the gospel, uh, people are being saved. Now, last week, last week, we learned that they came to, Philip came to the Samaritans, right? Now, the Samaritans were hated people. Uh, the Jews could not stand them. They would not associate with them. You remember uh, when Jesus went to the well, he was at the well and the, and the woman of Samaria came to the well and he said, give me to drink. And, 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 he, and she was blown away. He said, you Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, right? Y'all remember that? There, there, there was no association there. Now, here's the thing. By, in, in more review, let's go even back further past to that so we can really get the gist of this. The Jews, it was their responsibility. It was their calling. They were not God's people just because God chose to pick them out and say, I, I kind of favor y'all. Right. That's not the way it was. God sovereignly, divinely chose them for a purpose. And the purpose was not so that they could be privileged. The purpose was not so that they could be uh, coddled and, and that they were special and that they could brag to the whole world, hey, we're God's people. We have God's favor. That wasn't the point. The point is God set them aside and, and separated them from all the other nations in the world and put his blessings upon them and put his law with them and put his word with them and then said, now go and tell the whole world who I am. Are y'all with me? In other words, it was the Jewish people, it was the nation of Israel that was supposed to be a light to the world. They were supposed to be a lighthouse in a world full of darkness. But guess what happened? They went to one extreme or the other. Everywhere they went, they either got real liberal and real bad and real idolatrous so that they, they lost the presence of God with them. Or on the other hand, they were so strict and so legalistic that they made everybody an outcast and they hated everybody. Are y'all with me? So they were at one extreme or the other. They either hated everybody or they mixed with everybody. Not separated to be a light to everybody. Does that make sense? So either way, they didn't fulfill their purpose, right? And so God set them aside. I said, okay, if you're not going to do what you're called to do, I'm going to set you aside. And now he's dealing with the church. 
It is the church's responsibility. After the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, Jesus built his church. He instituted his church. He bought and paid for his church with his precious blood. And now he has commissioned his church to become that lighthouse that the Jewish nation was supposed to be. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And so what we have here in the book of Acts is the beginning of that process and the transitioning, the transitioning of the gospel from the Jew first, right? right? To the Jew first, the Bible says it is the power of the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Greek, which means Gentile, to the Jew first, then the Samaritans, which were half and half Gentile, right? And then in chapter 10 to Cornelius, and actually chapter 8 right here, we're going to get to with the Ethiopian eunuch because he's full-blooded Gentile. And by the way, Ethiopia was considered by the Romans the, the edge of the known world. Did y'all, did y'all catch that? Did you, y'all didn't catch that, did you? Let me go over here. <clears throat> Travis, the Romans, they considered Ethiopia the edge of the known world. So we have Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witness to me in Jerusalem. Day of Pentecost, they flooded Jerusalem with his doctrine, Right? Jerusalem, Judea, as they spread out, Samaria, right? That's where we're at now. That's where Philip has had mass revival, people getting saved like crazy. And now he's sending him out in the desert for one what? Ethiopian. Which is, according to Acts 1.8, you shall be witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Right? So here in chapter eight, we've got it. We've got it. Does that make sense? Now, last week, as we said, and, and by the way, they, they, they shorted us some time last week. And so, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, we run out of time, right? Right? We didn't, we got in a hurry at the end and, and I had to rush through some stuff, but I don't want to rush through it because I don't want to confuse you. I want you to get this. Now, this is what took place. This is what took place last week. Philip left. Philip left Jerusalem, right? He was one of the, he was one of the chosen deacons. So he was one of the Hellenistic Jews, right? He wasn't a native. He, he wasn't born in, in, in Jerusalem. He was, he was a Hellenistic Jew, which means he was a Jew from out of town. Amen? And, and so he was one of those that were picked, one of the, uh, the deacons there. And so he's out evangelizing. And, and, and the book of Acts calls him Philip the Evangelist. And so he goes to Samaria and he has revival. People are getting saved. They're believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and man, he, he is performing miracles and they're seeing signs and wonders. It's, it's just crazy what's happening. And, and there's, there's tons of people believing. But, but what happened at Pentecost in Jerusalem? The Holy Spirit came upon them, right? All right. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, uh, they were speaking in tongues. In other words, there was an outward manifestation of what happened on the inside. So there was there was visual proof. There was visual proof. All right. And that's important. That's important because here's here's why. Here's why. If one of you was to tell me, if one of you was to tell me I'm saved, I can't tell whether you are or not. I really can't. I don't know. I don't know for a fact. I don't know for a fact that anybody in this room saved but me. Because I can't see inside of you. Are y'all with me? 
And so God understands that. And so he let there be an outward manifestation of the inward dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that's with those signs and wonders and the the gifts there. Does that make sense? They were able to speak languages that they had not previously learned. Are y'all with me? Now, so we get to, we get to Samaria and these, these Samaritans, half Jew and half Gentile were believing and they were putting their faith in Christ and they were getting saved, but they still didn't receive the Holy Spirit until back in Jerusalem, back in Jerusalem. Now remember, everything is on the foundations of the apostles, right? The apostles are the, are the, are the, you with me? All right. They are the, they are the leaders here in this deal. And so the Jerusalem church, which is the Jews, right? The Jews, they heard about what was happening in Samaria. So they send Peter, right? They, 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 he goes out here. He's the, he's, the, he's, the, he's the main character in the beginning of Acts. So they come out. I believe it's John too, right? I believe it's Peter and John in, in there. And, and so they get to Samaria and they're checking out things and, and they hadn't received the Holy Ghost. So, so the apostles, the representative apostles, which was Peter and I believe John, and uh, they begin to lay hands on the Samaritans and the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit then. Isn't that great? Now, but, but let's fast forward a minute because this is very, this is very, very important guys. This is very, very important for you to know this so you don't get caught up in false doctrine. And I'll explain that in a minute. If, if we fast forward to chapter 10, you will find a man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius was a full blooded Gentile. Are y'all with me? Peter is sent to him and Peter begins to share the gospel with him. All right, before Peter even finishes, they believe the gospel and they get saved. Are y'all with me? They get saved. I mean, they believe right in the middle of a sermon, they believe what he's saying and boom, they get saved. When they get saved, guess what happens? Holy Spirit comes upon them. No, 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 no laying on of hands. No, no, anything. Immediately, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And by the way, uh, 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 for you that believe that in, in baptismal regeneration, and baptismal regeneration means that, that you have to be baptized to be saved, that baptism washes away sin. Guess what? Guess what? The Holy Spirit fell upon them before they were ever baptized. And my Bible says, if you have the Spirit, you have Christ. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't have Christ. And if you have the spirit, that means you saved. So in chapter 10, it proves that you are saved before water baptism. Are y'all with me? Boy, there's a whole lot of false doctrine. We could just knock out real easy just by studying the word. Now let's go back a minute. Let's go back a minute. There are, there are denominations that, that, that tell you that, that there's like a, a second blessing or you don't receive the Holy Spirit sometimes till a special apostle. And by the way, there's no modern day apostles today, but they've got to lay their hands on you and then you receive it because they take that from chapter eight. That has nothing to do with it. Nobody, nobody receives the Holy spirit like that anymore. You got to remember acts is a transitional book. Say that with me. Acts is a, in other words, it happened one way here in, in on the day of Pentecost chapter number two, now, why did it take, why did it take 
And we may not even get to the notes, but you, you got to get this. Why did it take the apostles coming to lay hands on them for them to receive the Holy Spirit? This is why. This is why. The Jews hated, despised the Samaritans. There was so much animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. Many Jews didn't even believe that the Samaritans had a soul. That's why Jesus' meeting with the woman at the well was so significant and the good Samaritan story was so significant. Are y'all with me? And because the animosity was so great and it was, there was so much hatred between these two groups that God had to bring them together and he connected them. Are y'all with me? And, and God had to show, now remember that outward visible sign of an inward dwelling. God had to show the Jews back in Jerusalem that he had truly accepted the Samaritans too. You say, how did he prove it? Because when Peter and John got there, he said, the same thing that we did, they did. In other words, the same phenomenon that took place on us when the Holy Spirit came upon us, it happened to the Samaritans too. So that means if we got him, they got him. So what did Jesus do by doing that? He tore down the barrier. He, he, the King James calls it the wall of partition. He tore away that animosity. He said, listen, there's no more Jews nor Greek. or Je- We're all one in Christ. Are y'all with me? So that was necessary. It was necessary to connect the Jewish people with the Samaritans through the coming of the apostles. The apostles went back and testified about what had happened. They said, hey, they got it too. Does that make sense? All right. Now, now, so as we're, as we're going through that, Philip in this great time of a moving of God, I mean, an incredible time. Can you imagine the crowds that are coming, the people that are believing it is, it is amazing what's happening. And in the middle of that great move of God, God says, Philip, I need you to leave this crowd right here. And I need you to go to a deserted road. A road that goes through the desert. And, and some scholars believe, some scholars believe that, that the way it's written is that, that it would be going that in, at the noontime. In other words, when nobody's going to be on it because of the heat. Nobody traveled during the midday because of the heat. Now, what's the point? A lot of times, a lot of times, God asks us to do stuff that just don't make sense. Why would God tell us to leave this big crowd when the work is going so good to go get on an old desert, deserted road where there ain't nobody? Well, There was somebody there. And what do we learn from this? What do we learn from this? God cares 
about the one individual as much as he cares about the crowd. And there's another thing we can learn from this too. There was a time when God dealt with nations. But today he's building his kingdom one at a time. One at a time. Are y'all with me? Let's look at our notes. Let's look at our notes. First we find, oh, let's go back to the chapter. And the angel of the Lord spake with Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he rose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Now let's look at several things here. First of all, let's look at his credentials. Let's look at this man's credentials. Two things underneath his credentials I want you to write. First, we see he was a respected man. He was a respected man. Look what it says. He was a eunuch of great authority. He was a high-ranking official, a high-ranking servant, slave of Candace, queen of Ethiopia. Now, we, I was looking at the map today. I was looking at the map today, and, and uh, Ethiopia is way far south of Egypt. But really, in that day, in that day, everything below Egypt was considered Ethiopia. And so you really can't pinpoint exactly where he's from, but we know it's south of Egypt. And, and so here he is. He's a high-ranking official with great authority. Most likely, he's a very powerful man. It's most likely, he's a very wealthy man. And, and so we see this is a guy, this is a guy who's way up on the totem pole. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And, and I'm, 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 I'm emphasizing that for a reason, and I'll come back to that. But just understand, this was not just your fly-by-night guy. This was not just your, your Bedouin shepherd uh, who, who has, you know, he's very poor. And, and, and I, I, No, he is a wealthy, wealthy guy with great power, great respect, great authority. So he's a respected man. Then B, write this down. He, or number two, he's a, he's a religious man. He's a religious man. Now, you know, you know, if you was to look at the map south of Egypt and go from south of Egypt, come up all the way through and around to Jerusalem, that's a long journey on camels. Are y'all with me? I mean, we was riding around that area. We was riding around that area in tour buses and it was, it was still, I'm telling you, but you imagine on camels, he did that. Because he wanted to get to Jerusalem some way or another, Judaism had spread down into the parts of Africa where he was from. And he heard, he heard that somewhere up there, there was a true and living God. So he was going to Jerusalem to seek God. He was religious, very religious. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing. When, when Philip got to him, when Philip got to him, he heard him reading Isaiah. Are y'all with me? Now, here's the, here's, you got to understand this. There's no telling what he had to pay to be able to get the scriptures. 
They didn't have Bibles like you and I have. They didn't have printing presses like, I mean, it, it, there, there's no telling. It's, it's almost a miracle that he was even able to purchase a scroll with Isaiah on it because he was a Gentile. And not only was he a Gentile, he was a eunuch. And I, and I don't mean to be crude, but, but he, it means he was castrated. And they would do that to servants, kings would, and people in authority so they could go off to battle, not worry about them back at home. Are y'all with me? Now, what is even more significant about that is if you go to the Old Testament and read about eunuchs, they were not allowed audience into the temple. They were not even allowed to become full proselytes to Judaism. They could only be classified as God-fearers, as Cornelius was. In other words, his religious condition limited him greatly in being able to come to God in the religious way. Are y'all with me? So he's, he's very wealthy. He was able to purchase something. I mean, it's, it's, it's no telling. And it might've been on the black market because a Gentile just didn't have access. Are y'all with me? So we see his credentials. Then, then B, write this down. We see his condition. We see his condition. Now, if you was in this world, in the culture of this world, and you're loaded, and you're religious, everybody would think highly of you. And they would think you've got it all together. Now watch. What was his condition? First, number one, he was unsatisfied. He was unsatisfied. I don't care how much money you got in the bank and I don't care how many times you go to church. If you go home without peace every time you leave church. Unsatisfied. Never enough. No peace. No sense of being completely right with God. He was sitting there going through these scriptures I mean, he had traveled all the way from Ethiopia down in Africa. He had traveled all the way just to get to Jerusalem because it had been said that the, the, the real God was there. And he went to Jerusalem to worship, to try to find God. And he even had, was able to secure some real scriptures. And, and he's reading these scriptures because he is unsatisfied. His religion hadn't satisfied him. His wealth hadn't satisfied him. His power hadn't satisfied him. His authority hasn't satisfied him. He's still looking. He's still searching. He was unsatisfied. Then then number two, he was unenlightened. Verses 30 and 31. Unenlightened. He didn't have a clue. He was blind. What's the Bible say? The God of this world hath blinded their minds. He didn't know. I, I like that one, th- which I don't like it, but I like what he said. I don't like that it's a fact, but I, it makes sense. Brother David Nelms was talking about the unreached people groups when he was here. And it says that it's not the fact that they're rejecting Jesus. They don't know Jesus. Are y'all with me? Now, people here in America, you hear about him all the time. They're rejecting Jesus. These people that we're trying to reach overseas, they haven't, they have, they haven't rejected him because they've never heard of him yet. 
And this is where he's at. He's looking. He's seeking. He's unsatisfied with his life and his condition. And he's looking for truth. He's looking for hope. And, and he's, he's seeking. But he don't know. It says, was returning and sitting in his chariot. And he read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? Understand what you read. And this is what he said. How can I? How can I accept some man should guide me? He said, I just don't know. You see his condition, he's unsatisfied, he's unenlightened, and he's unconverted. You see, you can be powerful and be lost. You can be religious and be lost. Lost, ruined, or destroyed. I got several verses that talk about lostness there underneath, but let's, let's continue. We've got to hurry. We saw his credentials. We see his condition, but then I want you to see his conduct. His conduct. And I want you to write this down because I, I put it for sake of alliteration, but then I want you to put another word beside it. First, we see he's reaching. He's reaching. And then put beside of it, put the word seeking. Seeking. He's reaching. He might be unsatisfied, but he's looking. He's looking. You know what I've learned? You know what I've learned? <clears throat> we're in the we're we're basically where we live, we're in the we're the buckle, the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Where there's churches on every corner. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And, 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 and here, here's, here's what, when we went to Raleigh, uh, uh, we, we met a couple church planters from uh, way out west. And, and uh, where's that, Oregon? Yeah. Seattle? Seattle? Uh, uh, and, and listen, they said there's people that's out there and they're, they're, they're classified in certain ways. He said, there's the, the, the nun people. I'm not talking about Catholics either. In other words, when it comes to religious affiliation, they have none. So they're the nuns. And then there's the duns. The duns. They're done with it. They were either raised in church or they were a part of church. And, and you know... We can, we can get real defensive about church, but let's be honest. Let's be honest. There's a lot of people that's had some really bad experiences in church. I mean, it is. It, you might as well just say it is what it is. And I have learned something very, very significant in Bondo Church. Bondo Church. Several, several, when it comes to this, no way. Now, whether it's from intimidation, whether it's from a bad situation, whatever it might be, the concept of this, none, done, no way. But we are sitting, we are sitting in a dusty shop, all of us in our work clothes, dirty, come in from work, and we're all sitting around in tables and we got our Bibles in our hands, and everybody's like this. 
eating it up. Hungry. And, and, and I don't, I don't want to be too critical because I'll have to apologize again. <clears throat> but I've come in this building hundreds of times where people were And this is what I'm learning. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, trust me, I, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm learning. That people are not out with God or the Bible. They're out with what modern day religious people have made church out to be. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to take up for them because church is my life. And it's all I've ever known. And I love the church. My greatest memories in the world is in the church. But the church needs an overhaul. Because this world is hungry. They're looking. But the problem is, is they're going into church after church after church the way the American church has made it out to be. And they're still leaving hungry. And they're still leaving unsatisfied. And they're still leaving unconverted because they're getting nothing. But they're looking and they're searching, which is a great thing. Monday night, Monday night, we had our first uh, micro church, bondo church, uh, baptism and Lord's Supper. And we had authentic unleavened bread. I made it myself. They said, what did it taste like? I said, unleavened. And it was great. It was awesome. Baptized several. And they were all, yeah. And churches are closing doors. Closing doors. But it ain't because this world ain't looking. They're spending money on psychic hotlines. They're spending money on drugs. They're spending money on entertainment. They're spending money on all this stuff. You know why? It's not because we like football so good. We're trying to fill a void. We don't know what it is. We're doing it with hobbies. We're running around on our spouses. We're doing all this other kind of, because we're, we're unsatisfied. This old boy, he was unsatisfied, but he was looking. And I, I'm saying this for a reason, guys, and you'll see in a minute. But we see... He's reaching, he's looking, he's, man, where, where, I'm looking for, now look at B, write this down, or number two. He's not only reaching, but he's receptive. Look at this. He said, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what this means. I'm looking, I'm seeking, I'm searching. I want to know. Watch what he says. He said, how, how am I going to figure out what this is unless somebody showed me? And then look, verse 31. And he desired Philip that he would come up and he said, won't you come up here and help me? What does that mean? He was receptive. Now we're talking about the sinner, right? Right. This man, he's the sinner. Do you realize a sinner, a sinner can't get saved till he's ready? Now this old boy was receptive. He's ready. And, and let me help you soul winners out here. I'm going to get to you in a minute in the second point. But you got to understand as a soul winner, you can't make nobody get saved. 
You can't do it. I'm, 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 learning, I'm learning in Bondo Church and, and, and everything and, and DMD. You, you can't make nobody because I've tried. I've tried to get them to get it. And I get frustrated when they don't get it. I want you to get it. You get it. I don't know why you can't get it because I got it. Why can't you get it? You can't slide it in. You can't sneak it in the side door. You can't reach up and, and tackle somebody and get them to Jesus. They're not going to get it till they're ready. Until they're receptive. It's kind of like this. Salvation is kind of like truth. And I had to learn this the hard way too. Facebook learned me something. I know y'all don't talk like that up north. My grandma talked like that. They learn. It, 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 you can be taught something, but if you ever are learned something, usually you're learned something from a belt. Are y'all with me? But I learned something on Facebook that you it don't. It, people will never, never see truth unless they're looking for it. I don't care how much truth you show them, unless they're looking for truth, they'll never see it. All they're doing is when you're giving them their truth, they're thinking in their head, how can I come back with a rebuttal? They're not seeking truth. But if they're seeking truth, if they're looking for truth, they will receive truth. Same principle with salvation. If somebody's not looking for it, you can't give it to them. So don't get frustrated with it. Don't give up on them. But just move to one Y'all with me? Because everybody you witness to is not going to be ready. But the ones that are, you know what they'll tell you? Come up in here in this chair and show me something. Are y'all with me? It'll happen that way. It really will. Problem is, we've tried to pick green fruits alone. We just think there ain't no fruit. Hey, fruit, you're just picking green fruit. Look for some ripe fruit. Enough with the analogies. Verse 31 says he was receptive. Come up here and show me. Come up here and show me. Where's Alan at? Mac Reed. Really? All the way in the back? Alan, how many times, how many times do we sit in your driveway to two or three o'clock in the morning, me trying to convince you to get saved? Several, right? Probably can't even count them on your hand. And I'd leave aggravated every time. Him too, because I kept him out so late. But you know what? When the time was right. And the spirit had everything set up. I didn't have to, I didn't have to, I didn't have to do anything. I said, well, you know what you need to do? Yep. Got on our knees and did it. Yep. Amen? Amen? I've been working on somebody. Don't, don't give up. Just, just be patient when the time's right. Yeah. He's receptive. He was reaching. Then number three, he was responsive. Verse 36. It says, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He's ready to get the show on the road. Amen? Amen. So he's responsive. Now look here. This is number two. This is what I want to get to y'all. 
So what can we take from, from point number one? One thing is that there's sinners out there, right? How many of y'all agree there's sinners outside them doors? Now, what else? There's sinners out there that's not ready, but there's sinners out there that, right? And so, so that's, that's, that's what we got to do. We got to find them. And I know what you're thinking. How do we find them? That's a great question. That's what I want to do. I want to find them. Okay. I happen to know the one that knows where they're at. It was the same one while Philip was busy at his Samaritan revival said, hey, I got a dirt road I need you to travel. And the reason we might not be finding them is because we might not be on the road because the road he wants us to be on don't make sense. Or, or the Samaritan revival is more comfortable than an old desert deserted road out in the middle of the heated desert. Who in the way? Ain't no way nobody out there. Oh, there's one. Right? Now, we're all supposed to be soul winners. We're all supposed to be bringing people to Jesus. Now watch. A man was the sinner. He said, how am I going to understand unless some man? Come on, everybody. How can I, how can I understand unless some man, which is the soul winner? All right, three things I want you to see. I want you to see the soul winner's relation to the spirit. Look at this. This is so important. If you're going to be a soul winner, this is so important. And if sinners are going to get saved, this is so important. What is the soul winner's relationship in relation to the spirit? Look in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying, arise. Look in verse 27. And he arose. Y'all with me? Look in verse number 29. Then the spirit said unto him, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran. Y'all see that? Now, two things right underneath this. First, number one, he was sensitive to the Spirit's voice. He was sensitive to the Spirit's voice. And then write this, and we'll talk about it. He was sensitive to the Spirit's voice. Then he was obedient to the Spirit's command. All right, repeat them to me so I know you got it. Say it. (laughs) He was and okay, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. This, would y'all agree that Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, this is a divine appointment that has been orchestrated and scheduled by the Holy Ghost. Any, any sinner that gets saved, that's how it happens. We're in, we're in Bondo Church last Monday night. We're in Bondo Church last Monday night. And at the end of Bondo Church, we go around and say, what did we learn from God's word to be obedient to? In other words, our I wills, 
Because of what we learned tonight, this week we will whatever, right? And so we get around to Barry. And, uh, and, 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 and Barry's sitting there, and I could tell, boy, his old lip was quivering. And I'm, I, I seen a little eyes watering up. And he said, man, he said, he said, he said I believe I'm supposed to do something, but I don't know what it is. And immediately I said, I'll see you right after. Because I could feel it. And I knew, I knew it was on him and the Lord was putting us together. And we went into that side room. We went in that side room where the, uh, what do you call that area? Spray booth? Paint booth over there. And, 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 and man, I said, let me take my Bible. And I just showed it. I mean, in just a few seconds, in just a few seconds, I showed him Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, and Romans 5.8, and then Romans 10.9 and 10. And boom, he said, I need to be saved. He prayed, whoo, he prayed and asked God to save. And he said, thank you, God, for saving me. Ho, 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 I'm running out of time. And he, and he it was a divine appointment. God orchestrated it all together. Put him there, put me there. We're all there. All God's children there say amen. amen. The Holy Spirit did all of that. Are y'all with me? He's crying, I'm crying. I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or the paint booth. I don't know. You know, it was kind of strong in there. But you see, this, this takes all the pressure off of us. It takes all the pressure off of us because it's all the Holy Ghost. Every bit of it. Well, then what do we have to do? Listen. Well, how do I know when it's the Holy Spirit? I I, got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice. How do I know when it's called familiarity? You got to talk to him more than once a week or once a month or once every other six months when you get in trouble. We had to. Phil, y'all remember Jimbo? There's a, there was an old coon hunter. He's in heaven now. Got saved. Got saved. And my, matter of fact, I baptized him in the old building. And uh, and when I first started coon hunting, man, I wanted to learn all this stuff. And I was I was nervous. And I was trying to. And he he was like a a, a, a ratchety old man. He was an honorary scoundrel, but he loved me to death. I mean, he'd cuss anybody else out for trying to invite him to church or something. Am I right about that, brother Bruce? Is that not true? He ne- he. I don't know what it was, but he loved me to death. And we, we was talking and I said, I said, man, how, how can you, how can you pick out a dog and all them dogs and know it's yours? He said, he said, son, he said, if you're in a mall and one of your youngins hollers out, are you going to know which one it is? I said, yes, sir. He said the same thing. He said, you got to be around that dog enough to know its voice. And I thought, ooh. Problem with some of us. We're not spending enough time with God where we recognize his voice. You see, Philip was so tight with the Lord when he spoke, he's ready because he knew it was the Holy Spirit. And listen, the only thing that's going to get you more familiar with God is spending more time with God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And here's one thing I've learned too. This is just my own experience. The more I'm obedient to what he has told me to do, the clearer his next command gets. Did you hear what I just said? The more I'm obedient to his his direction or his command in my life, the clearer the next one becomes. 
In other words, I get more familiar with his voice, the more obedient I get. And by the way, it works, it works it, it going the other way too. The more you say no, this is the Bible word, King James, quench. Quench. In other words, his voice gets less and less and less prevalent in your heart. Y'all with me? I'm telling you, depending on your relationship with God, it will determine whether you say, he's got a still small voice. Yeah, but the closer you are, it could sound like a roaring lion. Amen? And so as soon as he said it, he went. As soon as he said it, he went. He said, go join yourself. He went. So we see this is so important. If we're going to be a, a good soul winner, we have, we've, got to, we've got to be walking in the spirit. Ephesians 5, 18, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be, come on everybody, be, say the whole thing, but be, that means guided, directed, influenced by, wake up every single morning, say, God, fill me today. Do you know one of the first chapters, if not the first chapter, I think it's, is it the first chapter of DMD or the second, first chapter of DMD is being filled with the spirit. It is, this, this book is about disciples making disciples, how to win people to Christ and train and develop them. And the first one is being filled with the Spirit. Why? Because being a soul winner is all about listening and being obedient to the Spirit because it is the Spirit that will lead you to the receptive sinner that's looking. Y'all with me? Now watch. We see his relation to the Spirit. Then we see his relation to the sinner. We see his relation to the sinner. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him. He heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest. Now you got to get this. This is a, this is a high ranking official. They don't travel alone. Wealthy people like this traveled in caravans. Y'all with me? He probably had tons of servants and slaves and soldiers and all kind of stuff. But here we got Philip, little, little preacher. He's running through the desert. Y'all with me? And he sees his caravan and the Holy Spirit says, that's him. Sick him. Right? So here he is, run. He's got to run. They're on camels. So he's running beside. Come on now. Don't look at me that way. Use your imagination. That's what's happening. He's running beside the chariot. How weird is that? And he says, he heard him reading. He's reading Isaiah 53. I believe it is one of the greatest chapters on the Messiah. And he said, hey. You understand what you're reading? Now, let me tell you something. Now, we're laughing and all that kind of stuff. But how much guts did that take? Here's a wonder one of them soldiers didn't. But here's this high-ranking official. Philip probably, if he's like most Baptists, he's broke, so he ain't, he's poor. And he's running up engaging this sinner. You see, that's the, first, that's the first thing I want you to write down. With his relation to the sinner, this soul winner, he had to engage the sinner. Guys, we're never going to soul win until we open our mouths. 
And by the way, we had one saved at, at the Bondo Church baptism Monday night. <clears throat> AJ, are you here tonight? Is AJ here tonight? Or Hayden? Hayden, how many of y'all remember AJ that got baptized Sunday yeah. in the second service? His son, his stepson, uh, Hayden, got saved. Yeah, it was great, man. I'm telling you, it was awesome. Hayden, Hayden's had a difficult time. Just a tough time. Great kid. Love him. Love on him every time I see him. He's shy like me, so I, I can appreciate that. And, and, and I mean real, real ultra shy. Ultra shy. And if you was to see him in, in Bondo Church, when it comes time to, you know, to involve yourself and answer questions, ask questions, whatever, he's just real nervous and won't really. Well, when he prayed and asked Christ to save him, I said, now, Hayden, in this verse it says, whoever believes is not ashamed. And I said, if you're a true believer, God wants you to make it public. And it helps solidify your faith. That's what baptism is all about, guys. If you're here today and you're not saved, or you're saved, but you had not been baptized yet, it might, that might be why you're still scaredy cat. Because baptism helps solidify your commitment and your testifying. You're not ashamed and showing the world, I'm a believer. And so I'm, 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 telling, I'm telling Hayden this, and, and I'm really nervous, to be honest with you. I'm like, oh, man, I hope I don't scare him to death. See, he's a teenager. And, and, and I said, hey, let's, let's go out there because they were still, we had about 40 people there. And, and I said, let's go out here and, and let them know what happened. He said, okay. <laughs> I said, come on. So we go out there. I said, hey, everybody. I said, hey, everybody went through the door. Hey, everybody. Hayden just got saved. And I thought he was going to run backwards. <laughs> but he stood there, man. Everybody's clapping, smiling, coming and hugging on him, loving on him. And I said, come on, Hayden, I got to get a picture. So I got the picture, and I didn't even think about it till later on. And they sent me the picture, the ones taken, they sent. And I looked at that, and that kid had the biggest smile you've ever seen on your face. There was like, it was like God all over him. Now think about this. You know what was the difference? He's not ashamed. And here's the thing. We're never going to win a sinner until we learn to engage a sinner. Amen? Amen? All right. He engaged the sinner. Number two, he enlightened the sinner. He said, do you know what you're reading? No, I don't know what. Get on up here. He got on up in the chariot and he showed him what the deal was. All right, he enlightened the sinner. All right, see. Hurry, hurry, because we, we, we're running out of time. We see his relation to the spirit, his relation to the sinner. And this is critical, guys. We see his relation to the scriptures. Now, all this has to do with soul winning. If we're not, if we're not staying connected and filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be able to find the sinner. And then once we find the sinner, we're not going to be able to win them unless we're willing to engage them. Right? Now, watch this. We see his relation to the scriptures. Look what it says. In verse 34, <clears throat> verse 34. Now remember, he's reading, I, I believe it's Isaiah 53, right? He says, And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet, this of himself or of some other man. Then Philip, in other words, he was confused about the scriptures. Right? Watch this. Then Philip opened his mouth. Say this with me. I got to open my mouth. Say it again. And began at the same 
Scripture. So what do we see out of that? First, he was prepared. He was prepared. I'm not saying you got to know the whole Bible to soul win, but you got to know some of it. Well, preacher, I got my testimony. Well, the, the Bible doesn't say I'm not ashamed of my testimony for it is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the... No, it says I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, we need a testimony, and you need to be sharing your testimony. You need to be sharing your story because they are powerful, but they're not God's word. God's word is the power. Man, we got in that room, sat down, me and Barry sat down and opened my Bible and said, look right here. And, And I said, look what it says. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. More than more tears went to well in that wine. The power of God went to working in his heart. Through the power of the scriptures. The spirit was using the scriptures to convince him that what that said was true. Are y'all with me? Why do you think, why do you think that Barry, when he got through praying and them tears dripping off his face, why do you think he said, thank God for saving me? Because the Holy Spirit used the scriptures to show him he was a sinner. You know what a sinner is after he's saved? Thankful. Are y'all with me? So we got to be prepared. We got to know something. Well, I, I, I just, I just ain't, I, 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 I can't find no sinners. You might not be ready yet. I've always been told that God has a prepared place for a prepared man. And God, it could be this, watch this. God has a prepared divine appointment for somebody that's ready. Amen. Amen. Let's hurry, let's hurry. You don't like that. His relation to the scriptures, he was prepared. He didn't have to go nowhere else. He started right where he was. He was familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. He was prepared, but then too, he was pointed. He was pointed. He was specific. Watch what it says. He began at the same scripture, watch this, watch this, watch this, and preached unto him. Now watch. Every single sermon so far in the New Testament, in the New Testament age, where we started at Pentecost coming through, do you realize that every single sermon The main character was Jesus. It was all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Now, what does that tell us? I've seen a lot of preaching and a lot of teaching and a lot of soul winning that focused more on the soul winner than it did the Savior. We got to be careful with autobiographies. And including ourselves in so many sermons. We got to focus on Jesus. We got to get him to Jesus. We got to point him to Jesus. Not Baptist, not denomination. Come on. Not preferences, not opinions, not theories. Get him to Jesus. Jesus is the one that died for him. Jesus is the one that loves him. Jesus is the only one that can save him. Let's get him to Jesus. He started at the same chapter and preached unto him Jesus. Jesus. Get him to Jesus. 
Preach Jesus. Sing Jesus. Testify Jesus. Praise Jesus. Share Jesus. Tell people what Jesus did for you. Tell people what Jesus means to you. Point people to you know what we're learning? <clears throat> Every Monday we sit down and we're going through the Old Testament right now. Last week, last week we studied the Passover. That's when A.J. and Barry got saved that night. I mean, I can't think of the Passover is one of the greatest lessons. And you know what? Every lesson that we have seen so far, starting with creation, every single one is pointing that way. Everyone is pointing to the New Testament. You know who shows up in the New Testament? That's right. The ark represented Jesus. Isaac represented Jesus. The lamb represented Jesus. Listen, the skin, the skin that covered Adam and Eve, the animal had to die. The innocent had to die for the guilty. Guess who that's pointing to? Let's just get them to Jesus. It was pointed. He was prepared. All he had to do was tell him about. And he took the Old Testament scriptures and showed him. Not only was that talking about the Messiah, but it was talking specifically about Jesus. Jesus. And all God's people said. Then lastly, we have a man, some man. And then we have some other man. Who's that some other man? the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Let me read this and we'll close. Let me read this and we'll close because I'm over time already. A few years ago, a Taurus had a chance to become a hero, but it turned out to be an embarrassing moment. He was in China on a tour group and the tour bus was on the way to a scenic spot with another tour bus in front of him. It was snowing and the road was muddy. Suddenly, the bus ahead of of them skidded off the road and tipped over on its side in a rice field. The tourists quickly jumped off the tour bus, ran to the overturned bus, and jumped on top. Windows were shattered, and people inside were obviously hurt. The emergency door was facing upward, so he grabbed the handle of the emergency door and pulled. The door did not open. He kept pulling hard. It wouldn't budge. By this time, others had come and were pulling people out through the windows, so he gave up on the door and joined them. After he moved away from the door, another man went over to the door and he turned the door handle and the door opened easily. The tourist suddenly realized why the door did not open for him. He had been standing on the door as he tried to open it. With good intentions to save lives, he had become the biggest obstacle blocking the door of rescue. Sometimes those who want to lead others to Christ likewise become the biggest obstacle to their salvation. What's the point? Listen. Spend enough time with God that you're familiar with the Holy Spirit. Submit to the Holy Spirit's direction in your life and and His leading, which means being filled with His Spirit. Know your Bible. Know your Bible. Or at least know enough of the Bible to be able to point them to Jesus. And all God's people say it. Amen. Let's pray. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and dismiss. And we're late, so make sure and hurry up and get your youngins. But all those that's going with me to Israel in uh, a couple weeks, I need to see you in that corner. So everybody in that corner, 
You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <clears throat> Unless you want to go to Israel, all right? Uh, but all those going with, on the January trip, meet me right over here in this corner, and I've got some stuff to, to share with you, okay? And all God's people say it. Let's pray. Father, 